Episode 48 of the Church Digital Podcast. Jeff Reed here once again, and I'm excited for this podcast, at least as excited as I can be considering I am very, very sick. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough, feels like it's been a rough 2020. Just the, the entire house seems to individually getting sick one after another, after another. But I've had my stretch a little bit this week and uh, been coughing a, a little bit, actually a lot bit. I, I may have lost a lung somewhere around this week. So if you, in fact, if you do have a spare lung, feel free to hit me up on social media, DeerFedge, I'm on all the platforms, and let me know that you have a spare lung and we're going to figure out how to, I can get it because um, I'm probably going to need it the rate that I'm going. So, but we have an awesome podcast for you. So here's where we are. We're pausing from technology. We're pausing from uh, church online talk with this podcast in particular because, um, well, Technology is the means to the end. It's not the end. Uh, the end in, in our situation uh, is, is gospel. And in a lot of the gospel is getting people to understand who they are in Christ. And so to have this conversation, we're going to a technology guy who's kind of being pastoral because, hey, technology guys can be pastoral too, right? Like that, that's a thing. We talk about that all the time. It's okay for a technology guy to be pastoral. So here on the podcast, we're bringing in a, a good friend of mine and a guy that I, I've enjoyed working with in the past. His name is Aaron McClung. He runs a company literally called AM, and they are a, uh, a digital company. They do a lot of uh, website design, graphic design, branding, marketing, like the whole gamut. And this particular company, like I've worked with a number of church staffing, multiple projects over the years. I consider them friends, I treat them like family, and when I work with them, I treat them like a staff member. They are that closely integrated into uh, my life and my projects. I could not imagine doing church ministry without them, and I don't. I honestly don't know that I could give a better testimony to them than that, because this podcast is not about the tech. Uh, it is all, it is all, it is all about the individual. You see, there's a thing here with the discipleship, and really this is the core that I believe will help church online be effective. It's not the new church platform. It's not the new tool. It's not the new toy. It's not another feature. It's understanding that our job is to help people understand personal mission. And what's interesting is Aaron has really kind of figured out that even more than just church online or even church attenders, churches, organizations, businesses, like there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the why for themselves on an individual level, or even the why for themselves at a, as, as a business. And so Aaron, you know, who has guy who has been starting to, well, you know what, I'm not even gonna tell the story, because I want Aaron to. So here's what I want you to do. Listen to this podcast. We're not talking tech. We don't need to talk tech. The podcast you need to hear is the one you're about to hear right now. So you got Aaron McClung, president and CEO of AM, and myself, Jeff, in the Church Digital, in a podcast episode that I am calling The Why of Personal Mission. Okay, everybody, here you go. Yeah, so my name is Aaron McClung. Um, I live in uh, Hearst, Texas currently. I grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up going to uh, Baptist churches and uh, spent a lot of time in that world and uh, God called me and saved me from age of five at a VBS. And so ever since then, I've been uh, just trying to uh, follow him and in the ways that a child can all the way up through 
growing up and just uh, always felt a sense that God has just called me to serve him. And I didn't always know what that looked like. Um, I didn't have the uh, typical pastoral personality, as you'll probably find out shortly, um, but uh, wasn't always the guy lighting up the room, if I could say it that way. But I always felt like really strongly that I wanted to serve the Lord. And so um, going through college, I decided to, uh, there was a, a ability in, in design and graphic design and creativity. And so I felt like that was something I needed to do. And I started to uh, uh, look into that and, and realize that I was gifted in that and that had ability to help people understand concepts uh, visually that uh, are easier said uh, in pictures than in words sometimes. And so um, as I explored that, I, I realized that that was exactly what I was supposed to be doing and got through college and went to immediately started working at a church as a graphic designer. And so uh, not, and not long after that, I opened up my own business doing that, helping uh, ministries and churches and uh, businesses as well, just, uh, you know, get the message out with clarity and creatively as possible. And so that's what we've done for now over 20 years. Yeah. So what year, what year did you launch your, the, the agency or what year were you on staff? Kind of like put that in context. Yeah. So in, uh, 1998, I started doing 98. Uh, freelance work in college for some ministries, uh, worship leaders, things like mostly like CD covers, uh, things like that was a lot of that, like Disciple Now curriculum mm-hmm. covers, things mm-hmm. like that. And so, yeah, and then I worked at uh, First Baptist Euless from 1999 to 2001 here in the DFW area. So, and then That's started. awesome. Yeah, I was doing uh, 19, actually 2000, 99, I graduated from college. And right out of college, I started a, a web design company called eBeliever. And I was actually in Fort Worth. You were on, on the Dallas yeah. side. So we were like literally contemporaries in the same, you know, territory. And, and obviously, a, uh, AM, you guys have been far more successful than my little business was. Um, but it's just like those those days of, of web design and graphic design, man, those, those were rough days. I don't know if you've ever gone back like 20 mm-hmm. years ago kind of looked back at, at the old work and it was, I mean, I can remember uh, talking to a pastor and, and I, I was, my company, E-Believer, was doing web design for churches. And I just, I distinctly remember this. I was talking with a pastor in Arlington, Texas, and the pastor looked at me, the year was 2000. And he's like, why would I pay you money to build me a website when my 10-year-old son can do it for free in Microsoft front page? And I was like, well, if you're happy with what your 10-year-old son can generate in yeah. Microsoft front page, then you and I really don't need to talk. And uh, But that was, man, like, you remember when, like, Flash was cool? Like, that was, you oh, had yeah. to have, like, that Flash opening, and then you'd have to have the Flash navigation, and, like, that was, like, the best thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. We've come a long way since then, man. Yeah, things have changed quite a bit. But the uh, It was always fun to do the Flash websites. There was just, like, as a creative, it was like this open canvas that you could do all this amazing things with and you had no accountability to whether it had to work on a mobile phone or any of that kind of stuff. So things have definitely changed, but yeah, it's been- Yeah, it's when it was, it was just, the only thing you had to worry about was the desktop experience. There was no mobile phones. There was nothing. <laughs> right. It was just, just give me the desktop. That was, that was easy. Yeah, things right. have, I guess, have gotten a little more complicated yeah. since responsive and, you know, Apple decided to boycott you know, flash and, and all that fun stuff. One of the things, and, and, and I, I love AM and it, we were, I was talking about this with, with Aaron um, off air. Like I just, I've managed to really utilize this, this company a lot. And I've seen them come into very bad situations where um, websites were, were, were failing and code was crashing left and right. Um, and have really kind of de- 
depended on this company to, to, to get us out of um, bad situations. And so as much as I can like an endorse a company without endorsing, actually, it's my podcast, so I can do whatever <laughs> I want. You know, I just I really love um, working with these guys and, and seeing the heart for ministry that they have um, beyond even just the, the website. It's it's more of they really have a heart for doing what's best for the, the ministry, the church, the, the experience that, that at least mm. in the context of me that I've ever worked with them on. And it's really, it's this, this heart that I, I wanted to bring Aaron in to really dive into it because their, their companies pivoted a little bit, I guess would be the word. I don't know if pivot's the right word, but there, there was a, there was a change in, in philosophy that at least that I've, I've seen from the outside over the past year or so. And I really um, wanted Aaron just to kind of talk about this because I'm excited about, how this impacts individuals and how it can help organizations and, and churches uh, achieve much higher clarity. And so, Aaron, man, why don't you just talk a little bit and tell us a little bit about this overflow, kind of what it is and then how you as an organization, how you got to this place where you realized you needed to pivot. So we have a new, uh, what we call a signature process that we call it overflow. And so the idea is that your brand or your, your culture or your organization should communicate your story basically out of the overflow of your heart, like Jesus was talking about uh, for people. It's like out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. Well, we believe your brand will speak um, from that. And if you can speak from the core of, of why you exist, what you're called to, what's your unique story, that that's going to be the meaningful connection point that people are looking for. And that's how they make decisions on what they buy or buy into. And so that's, that's the general idea of it, of the, the backstory and the name. But what it is, it's basically a branding process. Starts with discovery sessions up at the front of it and, and really digs into the core existence of and why the organization is there, whether it's a business or a church. There's an origin story and there's, uh, there's leaders there that chose to be there. They're leading the, the organization and they typically have a vision that God has called them to. And so it's, it's uncovering that, it's clarifying it. Um, it's using our agency skills, but also trying to, to get to the place where it's articulated clearly and well, and all the story that you're having as an organization, all channels, all, all you know, every opportunity that you can communicate is going through the filter of what that core purpose is. And it's, it's smarter. It's trying to be smarter than just talking about what's and how's, but really the why. And so that, because uh, there's science behind that, there's uh, the millennial generation's changing. Everything's changing about the way people buy into everything. And so they want meaning and they want impact. They want to know that they're buying into a story that they can put their time and their dollars into, and it's going to making lives better. And so that's the story. We've got to go in and find out what is unique about that company, that organization, and then build a story around it. And so I had to go through the same thing. So uh, doing this agency life for over 20 years, we're on our 22nd year now, I think, um, depending on how you do the math, but that's we the first dec two decades of that was just doing good work. Like that was the bar for what success was. It's like uh, I didn't have a vision. I didn't know have this great business model plan in place. I was just trying to do good work with what God brought us and be fair to our employees. To me, that was enough. That was enough to make me want to do it and, and uh, do a good job. And um, however, about a couple of years ago, I, God began to change the conversation with me to something else. And so it was like, where are we going with this? I started to see that the industry is changing. It wasn't, you know, like you said, I, it's always, you know, there's always some cheaper, faster way to do websites or whatever. And so it was, that may have grown us, but that wasn't clearly wasn't going to, you know, the, be the thing to take us to the next round of the next 20 years. And so I started to wonder what the answer was. And so 
for the first time ever. I was like, well, where is this going and what do I need to do? And I really didn't even think about asking God about it, to be honest with you. I've been a Christian my whole life, but I didn't really know to take my business to him in that way. And so uh, I always knew he was kind of watching out for me and trying to take care of me because he cares about me, but uh, never had the kind of relationship to where I was asking specific questions and expecting him to lead me. And so that had to happen through those couple of years. And so as I, as I dug more into that, uh, I started to realize he does have a purpose for me. He has gifted me for a very specific thing. He does want the business to be his, and I'm just a steward of it, and that I can reach people through it, and that there's way more meaning to be shared and to be attracting our team to and digging in. Like I said, I wasn't, I never saw myself as pastoral, so I didn't really even try, honestly. Um, but the more I dug into that, the more I realized that, no, that God wants me to help impact our staff in meaningful ways, but there was, they needed a story to connect to for that to, to be meaningful. And so went through a whole bunch of that. But like I said, it's, it, I had to start with me. And then once I did that and I started, God to give me a, a, a specific vision on how to do this agency thing differently. I had to dig yeah. into how to do that. You know, months later, there's now a literal process for it. It's got a name, it's got steps. Um, and we're doing that every day and it's uh, made a, a world awesome. of difference for us. So let me let me pick in, and, and I don't want to get overly personal, but I'm just curious because, you know, I get asked all the time, you know, are, Jeffrey, are you pastoral? Do you consider yourself a pastor? And I kind of kind of just put my arms up in the air and I I don't know, do you consider me pastoral? Like, yeah. um, but you're you're a tech guy. Like, what what? How do how do you leverage tech with with being pastoral? And I'm like, because I work with tech to be pastoral with people who are in, mm -hmm. in community. So I, I'm just curious because you're you're asking and you're saying things about helping people realize, and we'll unpack more about this, but there's this tension of you're not, you don't consider yourself pastoral. Why is it just in your personal journey? What's been the thing that you're like, I don't consider myself pastoral because of this? Well, I'm highly introverted. So it's like, I'm the, always the quietest person in the room. I'm not usually the one up kind of lighting up the room and making everybody feel comfortable. It's like, I'm usually just trying to hide and not be noticed. And so, uh, but here I am running a business with 20 plus employees and they're all looking to me for vision and um, they want to be inspired to work. And so, and they should be, and they should show up to work every day with something uh, where they know that something, a life is being changed and they need to know how uh, they're doing that. Cause that's what you know, we're designed to do or designed to, you know, connect with others because that's what the image, the imprint of God in us is, you know, his, that's what he does. And so, um, that meaning that we're all looking for, they are, they're looking for it from their workplace. And that's, that's something that's changing, I think. And so um, I didn't, I didn't recognize uh, that I, I guess, you know, you go through spiritual gifts tests, you do things like that, try to figure out, you know, God, I know you've got a ministry purpose for me. Um, and uh, I, I know the general callings of making uh, disciples and uh, helping other people applies to me, but you know, how do I do it? And so um, how do I do it at work? How do I shepherd this team? And I never realized that I could do that. And so and the more I've gotten to understand myself and do, do self-assessments, do things like that, the more I've uh, tried new things, the more confident I get. And there, now I, I do realize I can impact people. And it's, uh, it's just like a different world here in our company. Even just our, in, our, in our company, it's just like everybody's, we now have processes where everyone in the company understands how to under, what their purpose is. Like yeah. literal processes. And so that's changed everything for us, helping people, you know, feel valued. So Yeah, I, I think the 
defining the why it was funny you, you made an off comment about blaming the millennials or maybe you just said because of the millennials <laughs> i would kind of blame them a little bit but honestly like for me and, and i'm 42 and, I, and i've had this conversation in, in context of the podcast as well like it i almost feel like i went through a midlife crisis a couple of years ago where it was all right so i've been doing this thing you know to, to your point you were using the language um you're doing the work and and, and a couple of years ago i really just came to this place of why am I doing this? Like, what's the what's the overall purpose behind this? And is the way that I'm doing it is it is it the most effective? Now, for me, my 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 end game, my goal was was discipling people and helping people understand God's purpose. Uh, and and for whatever reason, I really feel like my my calling has been in that in that digital scope. And so, this midlife crisis that I was on made me pause and, and kind of evaluate. Okay, do I am I am I called to do it this way? Is this the best way? What I'm doing it? Are there other ways to make that happen? And that really started wrestling with my my overall purpose. And as a result of that, honestly, in my track record over the past couple of years of show, God God took me down a road that that I didn't necessarily want to go down. And, and all of a sudden, I'm being connected because He's in control. It's not me and my wishes that I'm getting being connected into relationships and, and in purposes and, and connections that, that I've never dreamed I would be a part of doing things for the kingdom that I never imagined even six months ago, how things have pivoted and, and changed so quickly. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing when, when God's in, in control of that. And so it's exciting to me because through your organization, through AM, man, you're, you're literally helping people. You're helping organizations. You're helping churches like wrestle with some of this stuff what mm -hmm. what stories are you are you hearing what stories are you seeing as you're helping churches wrestle with their with their purpose with their why well it's it's a it's funny because we talk about the why of a church and almost all people think well aren't don't all churches have the same why like aren't we all on the, the great commission and doing those kind of things and so it's a great question um i think i typically or i'm like well do you have, I mean, why are you at that church? Like, why, why, what is God, what's the vision and what's the, the calling he's called you to? And because if we, if there's not a, a unique calling in a, in a local body, then um, why don't we just shut the doors and go to the one down the street? So, so obviously we know there's a unique thing there, but the church hasn't necessarily done a lot of work in trying to figure out what's unique about it or what, uh, what is, what are, and on top of that, what, what do people, why do they make decisions today and how how has that changed and so um, what are like you said the millennial generation the ones after that what are they looking for and how are they making decisions and the church has to wrestle with that um, and make sure that their branding and marketing is telling that story well so we are seeing that and we do dig into these processes and what we're finding is that they get really excited when we get into helping them uncover what that's going what that is it's like you it's really fuzzy for churches it's that to begin with it's like you know, they're skeptical maybe that there is something unique to say about them, but man, there is. And so you start to help them uncover that. It's just like, I've seen so much joy and just like clarity. It's like, ah, because a lot of times they work with consultants that, uh, you know, you might hire a consultant to help you uh, figure out what your value statements are, your purpose statements, those kind of things, but they're typically not creative agencies. And so the, um, I actually don't know of any other ones that are doing what we're doing, but th there's not, there's not one that's can do both at the same time. And so that, that means it makes it hard for like a typical consultant. It's hard for them to 
visualize it and bring it to life and show a, a church or any organization what it looks like. They can, we can, they, they get to what it is, what, how do you word it maybe, um, what's important, but having a creative agency come in and just like do all of that with all the skills that we have at the same time and visualize it and they see all of it at the same moment. It's just like eye-opening for them and encouraging, exciting, and it just infuses energy into the whole organization. Yeah. You know, I can tell you, being a guy that's worked with creative agencies, being a guy that has run a creative department uh, a, a couple times in a church, like, I understand the, the, the joy of working with an organization that has clarity. I understand mm -hmm. it. I don't know that I've experienced it a lot because a lot of times you don't, you don't have that clarity. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I love about this story is you're taking the time not just to create the graphics, to create the ad campaign, to create the, the, the movement that whether it works or not, I don't care, man. I'm just, I'm just you know, cashing the, the, the invoice, the check when it comes in. Mm -hmm. You're helping the organization get its ducks in a row mm -hmm. by discovering its, its messaging, by discovering how to be clear, uh, mm -hmm. by, by helping it understand its why and its purpose. And from there, breaking it down. Uh, a, a lot of times, honestly, uh, especially dealing with consultants, and, and I am one. That's cool. I can say this. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times, it's it's we need to solve, we need to solve the problem. But the big picture, like that's that's not that's not in my scope. You're not you're not paying me for that. Uh, the holistic view of coming in of of what you're doing through overflow of helping people understand their their why, helping the organization with clarity understand what its purpose is now that's so much easier to market and so much more effective because you're able to do that with clarity instead of promising x and really delivering y which makes for you know unhappiness on on the backside. Mm -hmm. why is clarity and and we you and i have both experienced this honestly there are people with church staffs out there that have experienced this so this isn't a hard question we all know this churches often struggle with clarity um, the, the finish line is constantly moving. The target is, is constantly shifting. Um, organizations are trying its best to reach people. The, the, the goal is high, reaching people for Christ. But as a result of that, it shifts. It moves on, on a regular basis as we're trying to be more effective. Mm -hmm. Why do we struggle with that clarity piece in, in a church environment? What's, what's the overarching issue maybe culturally that, that, we need to address. Is there a common thread as you're working with churches? What are you exploring? What are you seeing? Oh, well, there's the obvious kind of the busyness of the church cycle and the, the focus on keeping the machine running. And does anybody actually have time to stop and breathe and think about, is this actually working? That's rare. And so I think a lot of times when we go into a church and start asking these questions, it's like we all get to pause at least for a day or two and sit in these questions with each other and uh, decide if, you know, what is the answer to the questions? What are we focused on? Because there's not usually s scheduled time to stop the machine for enough time to get on the same page together and, and re remember, you know, what we're called to. And it's, so that's just the pace of it, the, the, the just the, the grind of it. And so um, for us, it's, it's amazing what a few simple questions can do to bring clarity for an entire organization. And so it has to start at the top. So, the leadership has to be on board. I can't push this this rock upstream. I don't think that's really how this is designed. So that's why it's critical that we get buy-in from the top of the organization because we need them to. We, 
and we don't know how long we're going to be involved, right? We have to know, we have to give tools and give clarity and uh, ability to articulate, but it has to be from the pulpit to the email to everything and in between of every channel, it's got to be lined up if it's going to work the way we want in that. Uh, the clarity is all about focus. Like if you can get your purpose figured out and you can get your why cleaned up, then it's all, it's like providing you a filter for staying, you know, keeping from getting distracted all the time with all the stuff. And so hmm. if you can't, if you can define that and say, okay, this is why, why we're here. This is what this church is called to. This is maybe our three-year plan or one-year plan, whatever. Um, and this is how we're going to get there. Then it should bring like the ability to say no to a lot of things. I've seen a lot of people struggle with that. Like they don't, yeah, they don't have anything to say, you know, no to this, and because it's you know it's scary to say no in a, in a place where everybody's kind of looking to you to be like you know to serve them, and so um, that's a lot of tension in that statement. But uh, uh, we've seen those conversations, the processes, just getting everybody in the room together at the right time. Um, God can show up and um, get some things off their their chest that they just haven't had the ability to do, and so yeah. I'll, it is it is hard organizationally to say no, you know, especially mm -hmm. the the cause is great to the to the to the Romans. I'm a Roman to the Jew that I'm Jew to a Greek. I'm a Greek. And so mm -hmm. we have that. Um, but but the larger purpose is, is that if we're everything to everyone, then from a messaging standpoint, we're really nothing to no one. You know, yeah. and, and we we lose the overarching purpose of the organization and, and somehow by simplifying it down. Uh, we find that we're more organizationally structured. There's clearer purpose behind it. We're more structured towards uh, achieving that goal. But what's interesting is when we play, when an individual church plays its part, what it really does, I believe, is it opens up for other churches to play their part. That's right. Rather than, hey, you know, I live in Miami. Arguably, Miami has 98% lostness. Um, like their stats are... Even if you were to assume the best stat, it's still like 85% lossless. Like it's, it's crazy um, how, how little church has a purpose here. And for any one organization to say, I want to be a part of reaching the millions of people, like I'm going to tackle it all. It's ridiculous. There's no way to. We have to organizationally work together towards doing that. And churches often struggle with that because of, for whatever reason, they want to own the larger piece instead of realizing that maybe it's more effective for us to own a smaller piece of that. That's right. One of the things that, that, that you, you stated on, on your website, and I really want to unpack this because you are um, a self-diagnosed introvert. I am a self-diagnosed introvert as well. People are like, well, Jeff, you're so extroverted. No, no, my extrovertedness is my defense mechanism that covers up how actually introverted I am. And even having conversations like this on the on Zoom are just exploding my brain right now. So, but you said <laughs> something um, on the website that that I want to I want to get your take on this because this is good. His business is relationships. His being God. God's mm -hmm. business is relationships. God is after a relationship. How does that imply and fit into like what you're doing through Overflow? How does that relationship component come into play at 2020? Well, that's typically a conversation I'm having with business owners. Um, they, they tend to think of their business as a separate thing from their faith. And so my, my desire to tell that to them, and this would apply to church leaders as well, but the idea is that 
it's not your business, right? It's God's. And just like, just like you have to get saved, your business sometimes kind of have to get saved too. And so give it to him, let him run it just like your life. All the stuff we hear in sermons about transferring ownership of who we are and what our dreams are applies to business leaders too and applies to their business. And so if you let God run your business, then he, it's about him, it's his vision. And his vision we know is going to be about other people. And so his business is relationships. That's like, that's the, the, you know, the business he's building is the kingdom. And so uh, to use your business, uh, if, it's gonna, if you're going to give it to him, then your business then becomes all about relationships too. And so um, most business owners are trying to survive. They're trying to get the bottom line built up. Um, I guess you could argue that the churches maybe are, are focused on outcomes as well. But uh, basically, if, if you're going to give your business to him and let him run it, then it's going to, you're going to have to remember that uh, the, the thing you're growing is other people. And so how do you yeah. do that through your business? So that's, that's the idea there. So, you know, I'm listening to the guys, EO fire, um, Gary Vanerchuk. I'm mm-hmm. listening to some of these business guys and they, from a digital standpoint, they challenge me. And, and sometimes, honestly, I look outside of the church world to be challenged, um, to find some digital, guidance and direction of, of what the future is and it's interesting me to kind of filter that um through a through a spiritual lens mm-hmm. but but you're asking secular businesses you're asking business owners to really like release the the business to god and, mm-hmm. and so like let's let's just be very practical at that point because somebody out there is like wait what you want me to do what with my business that's 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 separate from my one hour on Sunday when I attend church over here. Mm-hmm. So explain to me what it is and, and why I should give up my business, my, my workplace, why why that's God's business. What what does that even look like? I can tell you practically what it, what it looks like for me and how we talk about it with our business owners. So um, like I said earlier, like I ran the business for 20 years separately in my head, trying to be obedient to general things, the general callings of God through some mentoring and and some discipleship in this area by other Christian business leaders, they kind of enlightened me of what, that the Bible has much to say about business, has much to say about running a business. Where does vision come from? What does God want uh, from my life? Well, if my life is mostly spent at work, time-wise, math-wise, then that's got to line up too, right? Uh, Then this idea of that he can run it better than I can, because I, again, I spent 20 years um, doing well and probably too comfortable staying where I was. And then trying to figure out what's next, I needed, I needed, I don't have this entrepreneurial thing that I see in a lot of business owners. And so I need like God to say, what's next? And so if I start, if I believe that he cares about me and, and this business is, is just a vehicle for our relationship, that's what changed my perspective. It's like, he wants to guide me and he knows my heart is in the business and my time. And he says, you know, where our treasure is, which is where our heart is. And so if he wants to reach me, it's probably going to likely be through the business. And so why not, why not trust him with it and to let him uh, lead it. And then I start to do that. And I start asking specific questions that I never asked before. Practically like, okay, God, what is the vision for my business? Is it, A, is it yours? Have I, have we made that clear? Are we good? You know, if we, if I turn this over to you and you start to pray through that and you, you know, God begins to speak because God is always speaking. You look for confirmations through scripture, through others, uh, through the Holy Spirit. You're, you're asking God specific questions like, God, what's the vision? Okay, I'm waiting. And then I'm getting answers. And so, um, and you get more confident the more you do that. And before you know, it, you're asking God, should I hire this person? Should I take this step? 
Is this what you want the business to do? Is this how you want to use this money? If it's your business, I'm stewarding it and I must hear from you. And so before I know it, my dependence on God and my relationship with him is so different and so improved. Um, and it's like night and day from the first 20 years. And so it's just like, and it's working because apparently God knows what's going on. And so that's the crazy practical side of it. There's a spiritual side, there's a tactical side, of it, but they are both a chase to the father. That is what they are. As much as I can uh, give him leadership and ownership of the business, then I have, I've just been blown away by it. And my relationship with him is truly that walking in the cool of the day kind of thing that, that he, he was after the whole time. And so I pulled up a stat as you were talking. And this is something, this is LifeWay Research. This is 2019. Okay. This is last year. They, they ran a research. We'll link to it in the show notes so you guys have, have it. 51% of people um, who are Christians, spiritual matters do not tend to come up as a normal part of my daily conversations with other Christians. Mm. So the majority of people, it's 51%. Um, it, it's not It's not a, existing. One out, of, one out of two. That's not even like... You know, to the point of I'm willing to give up my business. It's almost to the level of, yeah, like I'm not even talking about God outside of the one hour on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so like what you're describing is is really going to be a foreign concept to people where, uh, you know, there, there there's this uh, I'm presenting, you know, people define worship as the literal 20 minute block of musical noise mm -hmm. that comes off of the stage for that one hour on Sunday. Scripture tells us that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and cleansing to God. Mm -hmm. This is our spiritual act of, of worship. And it's, and it's more than just, you know, the, the low rumblings of that bass guitar coming through the subs, which is so glorious to hear. But it's really more of who we are as a Christian and, and what our life in, entails entirely. And so you're dropping this knowledge on some people, and it's probably, you know, exploding some brains a little bit. Sure. Uh, which is awesome. I, I, you know, I love the little emoji of the exploding head guy. What are people's responses when you, when you talk through this? Are yeah. they appreciative? Are they pushing away? Like what's the range of emotions people are hearing as, as you're kind of coaching them through this idea of, of giving of their, of their business of all they are to God and letting God be central of, of their, their work, their home, their family, everything. Uh, well, obviously, Christian business leaders are the ones that are mostly being challenged with this. Like, if you're if you're on that, if you're not on the, you know, if you're not in a relationship with Christ, you're just going to be like bouncing that off. But the ones that are Christian and they're hearing it, they're being like, they're kind of blown away because they've never heard anybody put that together like that. Like, because I'm I'm a uh, I'm a teacher, I'm a learner, right? And so I don't come with just fuzzy stuff. I've got a framework and I put it in in an order and I show it to them and say, yes, here's your relationship with God, and I walk it through vision to uh, your why and your purpose and your, your mission statement and uh, your execution and how you're going to get there and how you're going to achieve that vision and, and how you're going to engage and empower your team to get there. So it's a framework that I'm putting in front of them, very uh, technical and uh, built off of similar business thinking models, right? Business operational models, but just putting God at the beginning of it and saying that this is actually all about him. And so when I walk them through it, it makes total sense to them and they've never seen it laid out that way. And then we start talking about overflow specifically is just a little piece of that, right? And so we're actually trying to create an entire culture around this purpose that's in you. Um, and when you do that, you're actually building a purpose around God because he's the one that put the purpose there. And so um, to what degree they want to share that or lead that story from a gospel standpoint, or it's kind of up to them. There are usually their reaction is, wow, I never knew that there was a 
logical linear flow to understand this. And so it kind of makes sense to them because business owners want actionable tactical steps to follow. Um, and so, you know, make it easy for me. And so having those conversations a lot, that's where my, my gifting comes. That's like the clarity and uh, creativity combining. It's kind of coming up with this kind of unique flavor to it. It's just stuff I've done myself. It's just, I've got, God gives me what I need and then I'm sharing it with other people. So, uh, but that re the response has been great. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally sitting here trying to think of the next question. And my question was going to be, okay, so I, I own a Shake Shack. Mm -hmm. What is giving God my Shake Shack? What is that actually gonna gonna look like? What? How is that gonna affect my business? And as I'm sitting here waiting for you to finish, and I was gonna ask the question, the first thing that pops in my head is Chick Fil A, and, yeah. and how that that as as a business, like how is how does you know giving God my business? How does that affect my messaging? How does that affect who I am? How does that affect my culture? Mm -hmm. and, and, and arguably there's others, and I'd love to hear some other examples, but, you know, Chick-fil-A as an organization um, has been very vocal in standing f up for, you know, who they are and, and, and who they are not. And, and as diversive as they are, man, it's good chicken. Man, that place is, is always busy. Mm -hmm. and, and they've managed to stay in good favor, still holding to their to the morals and ethics of, of what, you know, that that family has instilled years ago. What are some mm -hmm. other examples? Uh, Shake Shack's a bad example, but but what else you got? Okay, well, I'll give you a quick, some of our client examples. So there's one client that's an uh, egg roll manufacturer, faith-based company. They've, it's a second-generation, 30-year-plus egg roll manufacturer here in DFW. We have these conversations like, okay, let's figure out why, why you do this. And so we dig into that. And at the end of it, it's basically we've got to come up with the taglines and the stuff you're talking about, messaging that, that drives this story home. And so um, we dug into it and said, okay, what is meaningful that's happening here? Well, it's, it's an immigrant family that came over from Vietnam with nothing back in the 60s, running from all kinds of terrible things in that country. They come to the U.S. with nothing, chase the American dream. The mom of the, the couple is basically trying to figure out how to, to run the company. With, uh, and she's basically got $40 in her pocket, and she's got this crazy story of how she's landed here and how to get uh, her family in going and, and surviving in this country. And so these are the people that started this and they're Christians. And so now it's uh, 30 years later, this, the daughter is now the CEO of the company. And um, we basically have a minority owned faith-based women led company. And so you can see, I'm already got things that are starting to pop of what I can drive a meaningful story around. And sure. So, um, from there, long story short, um, the tagline has gone from things like, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, just more generic things around, you know, honest food and, and, things like that, making, you know, quality products to our new tagline is made to love. And so I've been, you know, the, the people, we care about our people, we care about our customers and we feel like, you know, they are made. Those are, those are words that are mm -hmm. Christians can identify with those words that someone is made to love and that the food is made to love. And so we now have this conversation changing starting piece for all communications and they can tell a, a you know, 10 second, you know, simple surfacey level story about their, where the, the quality of their egg rolls and how our people are made to love. And um, we want our food to be as well. And, or you can go really deep into the culture of, you know, how they hire people and how they attract people and, and um, how they honor people uh, in, in that same tagline. And so it's like, that's the kind of thing I want. I, I want to give everybody a meaningful conversation starter. And then we build a beautiful brand around it visually uh, all the creative assets. And so the entire organization now has these conversations the same way now. 
and they're all the starting points are the same. It's super consistent. Uh, it's just like the ownership, they have exactly what they need to tell their story in any context. And it's, it's working, mm-hmm. it's attracting people to the organization in every way. So how do people and organizations, how do they, how do they work with you? What's the process to get started? Um, well, the beginning conversation would be making sure there's a fit there. Like, uh, where, where are you at? What do you, what do you, do you have a, a conversation that you're trying to change? Um, typically people come in uh, with the pain point, right? And so, you know, are we willing to go to this brand story and revamp it and then apply it to all the channels? And so uh, to get started, it's having an honest conversation about where you are, what you're, what can we affect? What can we impact? And then deciding uh, if overflow is the right choice for you. Um, sometimes we need to go deeper. And, and so it might be, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know where I start and I'm a leader. We might have to have some conversations around a purpose discovery process where we help you figure that out. And then we just start applying it to the company and help you, uh, you know, build from there. And so it's, there's a couple of different starting places, uh, typical starting places overflow. And we work on that in that scope and then decide once we've built it, how far do we want to take it right now and, and keep going from there. What's the, and so we've talked about businesses, we've, we've talked about churches. I mean, I really feel like even if you take the business out of this, if you, even if you take like the, 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 the church out of this, I feel like there's a challenge for the, for the individual where there's an opportunity. I mean, baked in a, in a little bit of this and, and I don't want to like overstate, but there's like a, there's like a discipleship. There's like a personal mission kind mm-hmm. of challenge in this where, where we as individuals really need to as as individual christians today we need to wrestle with some of the some of the why on this and, and maybe mm-hmm. recognizing uh some of what the personal mission of our life is and why god's has us where we are in our workplace maybe not as the boss but maybe as a just a general worker why god has us in our in our community in the home that we live mm-hmm. or why god has us with our kids involved in the stuff that they're involved in like how can you do you ever wrestle with this? Like how does this overflow maybe apply down to an individual level? We start with that conversation a lot. So we, like I said, we have a we have a purpose discovery process that all of our team goes through, and you dig into your spiritual gifts, your personality profile, um, your strengths in general areas. Like what what you know? Why do you you know? What do people say you're great at? And because we're trying to show them that God is putting exactly in them what He wants them to do with their lives. And so most people, most people don't even know what their purpose is. I, there's a stat that says only 10% of people know what their purpose is, which is it's way too valuable to be sitting there dormant. And it's way too much focus and clarity to know what your lane is. Like, God, you created me to do this thing. And so when Jeff needs something and, it's, and I'm up, you know, do I recognize the skills and gifts he's called me to? And am I operating in that when I see your need? Because that's going to show me that what God is asking me to do. And, and I'm going to see the biggest fruit in you when I do that. Instead of trying to be somebody I'm not, if I can be aware of myself uh, more, then it's gonna ch- it can change lives and it, it's it's putting confidence in people that they never they never had. And so um, when people know themselves and they know what God's calling them to, it's just like it resonates so much stronger and deeply when you operate in it. And sadly, most people just have no awareness of any of that. That's what we're about with individuals, for sure. It's it's so important, and and I, I literally had coffee this week uh, with someone who's wrestling with this. This is a person who's been on staff for a number of years, a church staff, and um, I literally brought up the calling piece, and they were like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not sure what I'm called to, mm-hmm. and and it, and it's this this gross reality of, and it gross isn't even the right word, but it's it's this stark reality 
of of people that that are, are living lives without realizing what God has them for, and and maybe they haven't understood it at a personal level to achieve their their own clarity, or they're so busy, you know, to your point, organizations are so often so busy they don't have time to ask the whys. Maybe it's that they're so busy busy living out the lives and the identities that they've kind of stumbled into on their own to put money on the table, food on the table, um, and, and things like that without stopping and realizing, wait, what does God have for me in that situation? And oftentimes, to do that, to have you know, God be head of your, your organization, or have that be the wire, to have God be head of, of yourself, like there, there's a humility in that where you have to mm -hmm. release control. When we look at the Beatitudes— um, blessed is are the meek are the poor in spirit are they that mourn um, you know Matthew 4 and 5 it, it's not a overly controlling demanding power type a person that that's that's blessed in those situations it's blessed are the people who are humble arguably who are teachable by God and shapeable by the the path of the spirit who are in tune to to where he's leading and that's dripping all over this the ability mm -hmm. to stop and to ask the organization why do you exist allows God the opportunity to drive instead of you forcing will upon that situation. And, and whether, you know, I, I said this uh, once in, in a blog, if, if, if you are responsible for your victories in life, then you're responsible for the losses. And so every win you get, Hey, good for you, but the failures are all over you. Mm -hmm. um, if the, if you, if you're not responsible for the victories, if you allow God to own the victory, then God owns the failure uh, because he's driving through that and allowing you to grow through that process. I would much rather give God the victories and allow God to cover my, uh, my failures than for me to be solely responsible for that. Giving God control is, is so much clearer. And, and Aaron, I love your, your, your path and even just the courage to organizationally pivot 20 years into developing uh, an agency and realizing, hey, I'm, we're asking the wrong question, and they're not ready to answer the question. What's best for the for themselves? We need to change the organization away from just a creative agency to an agency that's helping organizations answer the questions they really should answer. And then once it's answered, then yeah, we can definitely be the creative aspect. But there's so much value in what you're doing beyond just that ad campaign or that website or that social media look so man thank you for your your diligence uh, and, and your patience um with that because i'm sure that's a hard thing to get a 20-year organization to kind of turn like that but it's awesome to see how god is using you uh, in in this process so man as we're landing the plane any last thoughts no i appreciate your time I, it's you're you're definitely hitting on some of the the, the high points and the it's reminding me of some of the just the challenges it's been to get there and it's it takes a lot of faith and, and vulnerability and courage and just willingness to uh, do things that you're I'm not like I've done so many things in the last two years that I'm was never comfortable or never thought I was capable of um, but it's been completely praying through it asking God to you know, I'm going to trust you that I, I know you're bringing these opportunities um, and I think this is going to work and then you start to build on it and it keeps working and then it's like yes this is God and it is working and it's changing lives and I'm just excited to be part of it at this point so the, the thing I love about this entirely is that you are you have literally put yourself through the same test mm -hmm. and, and you've redefined yourself through this why 
that you are asking other people to go through. And you yourselves are a living testimony of, of, of how you've gone through this process. So, man, thank you for being just diligent and faithful in that. And uh, we're going to be looking excitedly to see how God continues to do things through AM Agency. So, hey, uh, we're going to wrap right here. This has been a great podcast. Looking forward to what's next. Uh, for Aaron, uh, this is Jeff with the Church Digital. We'll see you next time here on the podcast. Y'all have a good day.